Welcome to the road to growth, success of an entrepreneur. We've raised the bar. Learn firsthand from successful business owners and create your own path to success. I'm going to show you how great I am. It's time to hit the road to growth with team lead of the Enriquez Group, Realtor Vinny. Hi, Road to Growth listener. Today I have Justin Bradshaw, not Terry Bradshaw, Justin Bradshaw. Just like Uncle Terry, but different. <laughs> exactly. So you're the CEO of uh, Energy uh, Org. Uh, Ogre. Kind of, oh, Ogre. Oh, my gosh. I'm way off. Okay. That's okay. Uh, People say Orgy, and that's actually slightly more exciting, but it is Ogre. <laughs> what? Uh, I mean, when, when you picture an Ogre, what, where did the name come about? You picture it as you like know, dirty, rough, I think. Yeah. So if you look at our website, you'll find our logo is kind of a little bit more lovable, soft, uh, all the rest of it. And the reason we came up with that name was, uh, you know, here in Texas and the in the retail competition for electricity, there are tons of different participants and tons of players uh, in this space. We don't do what a retail electricity provider does, but there's so much advertising and so much saturation amongst the consuming public that we decided that we had to come up with a name that was a little bit different uh, that caught someone's attention a little bit more. And that was the, the genesis of not only our name, but our logo also to differentiate us from, you know, the retail electric providers themselves. So we talked a little bit before we got on mic. I mean, the idea is you save uh, homeowners for the most part and some commercial uh, to make sure they're getting the, um, the lowest price possible, correct for electricity. Yeah. The, the idea here is to, is to have a, a holistic and a comprehensive view of, of, you know, particularly the folks here in the competitive areas of Texas, how they're buying electricity, how they use electricity, what are some of the best strategies for them in terms of how to manage reducing their overall energy expenses, or maybe if they have other desires to, you know, have green products and things of that nature, how to fold all that in while making sure that they're not getting taken advantage by a lot of the people that are out there in the marketplace today. So we see that amongst retail electric providers, we see that with folks that are coming into you know, install equipment in people's homes and things of that nature. So the idea here is to is to have a, a holistic and comprehensive view as to what folks are consuming and, and navigate through all that for them. How many, how many options? Because you're, you're based out of, where, where are you based out of again? We're in Houston. Houston. How many options in Houston for like electricity choices do people have? Uh, there are hundreds, hundreds oh, wow. and hundreds of plans and and so the, the bulk of the state of Texas is open to retail competition. So we help folks from the Valley, which is in South Texas in those areas, all the way up into the Dallas Fort Worth area, as well as here. And most of the people that, you know, are in the marketplace, they have multiple offers in these multiple different regions. So, you know, at any given time, there might be 30 or 40 active retailers and they might have, you know, 10 or 15 different active plans. So there could be hundreds or thousands of different options for people to choose from. So there gets, it gets to a point where there's a lot of analysis paralysis mm-hmm. and there's a lot of a lot embedded in the fine print on some of these things where, you know, folks don't fully take advantage of the law on, you know, to benefit themselves. So we just take care of it for them. That's the idea here. And you said this kind of business has been around for uh, for a long time in, in Texas and Houston. Well, what we do hasn't, uh, you know, the someone stepping in as the agent having a fiduciary responsibility for an end user is is a, is pretty new we were the first to do it and i'm not sure if anyone else really does it exactly like we do uh, but the market opened to retail competition uh january 1st of 2002 
So we've had a, a competitive marketplace here for almost 20 years. And so this is just the, the nice thing about it spurs a lot of innovation. And, you know, we're a product of some of that, uh, you know, a lot of these emergent technologies for uh, home energy, uh, home energy storage, demand management, uh, a lot of those things I think will will start here uh, just because there's an economic and market incentive to deploy those emergent technologies. And we're right in the middle of all that as well on behalf of our customers. So we're excited about it. But there's a tremendous, even though it's been around for 20 years, there's there's a tremendous amount of, you know, uh, opportunity and change and kind of chaos and discombobulation. So which is always good. Have you in those 20 years, I mean, how have the, the prices adjusted in that kind of fair market um, kind of way of doing business out there for the different uh, electricity companies? Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's quite interesting. We've had a little bit of a blip here with natural gas prices. Natural gas tends to set the marginal price uh, for us here. Um, but generally speaking, I pay less for electricity now than I did when the market opened 20 years ago. So. Oh, wow. It's been a huge boon to, you know, end users here. If I look at what we pay in Texas versus what folks pay in most other parts of the country, it's uh, especially because we consume so much more just because of our climate and the and the temperatures here in comparison to lots of other parts of the country. But uh, we have some of the lowest electricity costs, at least in the competitive environment, than you're going to find anywhere in the U.S. And, and competition, actually, you know, I think it's it's intuitively appealing to all of us that if we have folks that are competing and they're looking to innovate and looking to bring in other types of you know products and services, it tends to benefit consumers in the long run. And I think that that's been the case here. Have you always had a, a entrepreneur mindset like growing up as a was a young Jessen, uh, very entrepreneurial? Yeah, I, I always wanted to do something different. You know, I, I definitely, um, you know, there was there's a I always wanted to do something different. I always wanted to be involved with something that not everybody else did. Um, but at the same time, you, you know, it's hard to have the courage of your convictions uh, unless you have a, a mentor or a role model or some of those other things. And that's, I think, one of the exciting things about the the day and age that we're in today is the accessibility of other people and their stories and and to kind of glean information out from other people is so much easier now than it was, you know, uh, when I was growing up in like the 80s. <laughs> but uh but yeah I, I you know i was really fortunate because i started my career right as the um as the marketplace for for wholesale electricity was was starting to unbundle at the federal level so i was i was really fortunate that i got into this industry um at the right place at the right time really very much on the ground floor as it was you know starting to figure itself out so Nobody knew a whole lot more than me when we first got into it because everyone was kind of figuring this out at once. And so I worked for not a huge company, but a larger company. Um, but it started to spark some of that entrepreneurial spirit in me because, you know, we were building this business with the resources of a larger company, but we're building it from scratch and, uh, you know, figuring things out as we went. And uh, it was it was a lot of fun and it was a really important you know experience for me you know, early, early in my professional career to get some exposure to, to a little bit of that, you know. So you're, um, you, you grew up, you're growing up school. I mean, walk, walk us through basically, you know, what a childhood looked like for yourself. Yeah. So I, uh, my parents were divorced when I was four and I had a very interesting, 
uh, kind of upbringing that uh, I live primarily with my mother and uh, we lived in El Paso, Texas. And my father uh, was in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. So I would kind of ping pong back and forth between uh, El Paso on the border and uh, then we'd go to Calgary. <laughs> A totally different culture, totally different climate, um, both awesome in their own ways. But uh, it was a very interesting kind of way to grow up. Uh, went to high school in El Paso. Um, it was a great experience. Again, went to a very small parochial school. A lot of my classmates were from Whitus across the, the border. Um, so at that time, it's not quite like that anymore. But, you know, El Paso and Whitus were kind of a big city. There was definitely a border there. But you know, we spent a lot of time in Wattis and, you know, lots of folks from Wattis uh, were in El Paso as well. So it was a fun way to grow up. Um, it was really safe. It was, uh, you know, a great environment. And I uh, went off to school um, to University of Dallas. I thought I was going to go uh, become a physician. That was uh, the direction I thought my life was going to take me uh, early, earlier in my life. But uh, but uh circumstances uh, conspired against such a thing. So uh, I, I found myself in energy, but. When did you find out that I guess your, I guess your passion to be a, a physician wasn't the right path for you? Well, I, uh, I have a lot of physicians in my family. Um, on, uh, on my mother's side, there's a number of folks and I, uh, my mom was working in a hospital there in El Paso and I spent tons of time, you know, at the hospital, volunteering in different departments. And I just couldn't, I couldn't get enough. I wanted to soak it all up. And I, I met quite a few physicians even back then that, you know, I, th I think they had gone through medical school and amassed a pretty significant amount of, of debt. And uh, I don't, I, you could kind of tell that for some of them that they didn't really love their life. You know, to me, we were pretty, um, I would say poor, poor. We were pretty, pretty uh, single mom, uh, you know, kind of minimum wage stuff. We were more fortunate than others and a whole lot less. To me, it seemed like the pinnacle of the, the doctors that I knew, those guys were always set and uh, drove nice cars and had nice houses and things like that. And that was uh, something that I really wanted to be able to do for myself. And uh, just talking with some of these, uh, some of these guys, particularly some of the younger uh, guys and girls that were there, some of them, I think they kind of got boxed into that. I, it, they kind of got stuck because they had a bunch of student debt or um, uh, it, it was more of a, a means to an end. It wasn't really a kind of a passion for them. And it was a pretty big like, oh, <laughs> I, I, it just never had occurred to me that, you know, if you went into that, everyone's got to love what they're doing. Right. And uh, it was a, a little bit of a, the beginnings of the danger. Will Robinson, uh, you know, aspect to, to me looking a little bit closer at that from from a from a career perspective. So kind of foreshadowing to where you would be in the next five, 10, 15 years from now and kind of saw that maybe that was in the path that you wanted to go. Yeah, I mean, I. You know, it, it, when I was in college, I was on the you know pre-med pathway, chemistry undergraduate, and and uh, was you know kind of beeping on along. And um, there was a big push right around that time for socialized medicine and socialized healthcare. 
And I remember, you know, being in Canada and it was a great system up there and, you know, folks definitely had, you know, access to, you know, free healthcare, but a number of those physicians left, uh, you know, their practice in Alberta and they immigrated to the United States so they could, you know, make more money. It was not kind of the same for them. So it kind of scared me a little bit uh, as to whether I wanted to, you know, go full steam ahead into that, kind of having a little bit of a glimpse of some of the some of the downsides on the professional side, uh, or at least that was my impression that may or may not have been reality, but it's definitely something that stuck with me at the time. So it got me scrambling uh, to figure out what else I could do with a degree, uh, because I knew if I graduated with an undergraduate degree in chemistry, there's almost nothing <laughs> that I could do professionally with an undergraduate degree in chemistry. So I got a degree in economics uh you know as a predicate to to figuring out what i wanted to do uh with the rest of my life and from from there okay economics do you go to the corporate world or what's next after that i did i i uh got you know i started interviewing as i was a senior and trying to figure out what i want to do i was thinking about maybe going to graduate school um and uh you know as i got you know, talking to different folks, I ended up running across this company that uh, some some folks that I had known in the industry had pointed me to that was, you know, starting there in the energy business. It was this little small company called Natural Gas Clearinghouse. And uh, I thought I would take a job there for a couple of years or a year and figure out what I wanted to do uh, education wise and uh, move on down the road. So I interviewed and I was offered a position. I thought I was going to come down to Houston to like schedule natural gas or do something, you know, seemingly more mundane than I had my heart set on for the rest of my life. And I was really fortunate that when I got down here, they said, Hey, um, you know, the, the federal energy regulatory commission has put some new rulemaking. They're going to change uh, the status quo in the electricity markets. And we're putting together, uh, an electricity marketing company. Um, and, you know, we want you to figure it out and we want you to be part of this. And, you know, at that time, and it is easier to hire in young people to do that kind of work because, you know, electricity is a 24 hour a day operation. And so, you know, we had real time operations. So someone's on a desk 24 hours a day. Uh, a lot of folks that are older with families don't like to do that kind of work. So it's perfect for, you know, uh, stealing somebody out of school uh, and, and getting them to do that work. So so I did that. I uh, got in there um, and we were fortunate back then as it was first starting is, you know, I, I imagine that a lot of industries are this way, but as, as time goes on and these m industries get more mature, you get a lot of specialization of skill sets, right? Mm. And, and in the early days of some of these things, you do a little bit of everything. So you get a very, very broad exposure to not only how, you know, actually uh, how the transmission system works, how the distribution system works, how, you know, power generation works, how fuel supply goes in, how you schedule power, how you buy and sell power. So, you know, I wasn't pigeonholed into one little small sub-discipline there. It was still early enough that we did a little bit of everything. And so it was uh, super fortunate to be absolutely in the right place at the right time. Uh, to get a, a pretty good overview and, and, and be on the, the true ground floor of, uh, of this thing opening up. And then from there, did you, how long did you stay in the corporate world for? I was there for eight years and um, I started on real time. 
Um, and then I moved to uh, day ahead trading. So I traded, you know, commodity electricity in the Southeast markets, Texas and, and some of the others. And then I became the desk head. Uh, so I oversaw all the trading for the Southern part in power for this company. And then we started acquiring other companies. Uh, we started acquiring companies that own power plants or had the ability to, they call them development companies that would be able to, you know, uh, construct and install new power plants. We bought a utility and some others. And what they asked me to do is to, to take, uh, the role there to be the commercial custodian to oversee and run our power generation business or a portion of our power generation business, uh, because I had that commercial execution background. So I did that for a number of years. Um, we had a pretty large portfolio at the time and we had, um, you know, all different kinds. We had some wind in our portfolio. We had uh, quite a bit of uh, coal fire generation. We had a lot of natural gas, uh, simple cycle, combined cycle. So basically all these different types of technologies, of power generation, um, it allowed me to get a very in-depth knowledge of the power generation business over time. And, uh, and so we did that and, and I did that all the way through 2003. Um, and there was some pretty big upheaval in the industry, particularly uh, around the, the demise of Enron and a lot of other folks that were kind of similarly situated. There was a big upheaval and uh, that actually presented another big opportunity. So that was the beginning point of me putting a stake in the ground of trying to go off and start a business for myself. The idea of starting your own business and kind of building something, uh, I guess, bigger than you how long before you actually did it did that idea come about well we we i did this uh we started that other business myself and one of my co-workers uh we were peers and you know uh, had very similar roles just in different areas and we actually came up with a business plan for the company we worked for um uh, to really manage a bunch of third-party generation assets um the the environment at the time was a lot of the of the people that were building power plants, they didn't actually know how to do any of the logistics around them. They're they're building them as investments, um, as levered investments. And so they would turn over the execution to a lot of the, what we called energy merchant companies, the Enrons of the world, the Dynagies, the Southern companies, the El Pasos of the world. A lot of these companies uh, would you know, do basically long-term leases on these assets and it would run all the logistics of how to sell the power, you know, how long to sell the power for, what kinds of power you're selling, how you uh, do your fuel supply, what kind of storage uh, strategies you put in place, whether you have, you know, uh, uh, you know, firm transmission or firm transport to get your gas to those facilities and back and forth. So there's a whole trading business and strategy that used to exist around that. And when the energy merchant space got spun out um, really on its on its ear, you had all these guys that own these power plants or these sponsors uh, that have been used to outsourcing the execution to third parties. And uh, we, we really wanted to figure out if there was a way to do that because um, that's what we were doing for our own assets. Why couldn't we do that for you know third parties for for size? It was a, a short term opportunity that existed. So. We, we developed a business plan primarily to help, you know, as a strategy for the existing company we worked for uh, to form a subsidiary company, you know, highly focused on that. And as time went on and, you know, we had some new leadership at the company that I worked for and, and they believed that uh, 
that we could do that as the company without having to form a subsidiary company. It was, uh, which we couldn't have done because we had some uh, restructured debt and some negative covenants in our debt that would prevent us from doing that. So the more we looked at the business opportunity and the strategy, the more we liked it. And we finally said, hey, we like this so much, we're just gonna bail out and go do this for ourselves. And that was kind of the genesis of do, us doing that, so. Was this the first time you were basically going to be commission-based? Because you were in the corporate world and you were getting a steady paycheck. So was this going to be the first time? Yeah, it was uh, <laughs> It was definitely the, the first time you got to sing for your supper kind of situation. So I remember after we had uh, left, like the next day, my partner was like, hey, yeah, well, let's take like a week off. I was like, hell no. <laughs> we just... <laughs> What did I just do? I just walked away from this guaranteed paycheck. And, you know, I've got I had like a nine month old kid at the time. And I was like, oh, my God, uh, I was like, no, 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 you're coming over tomorrow. We're calling everyone that we know we're getting working on this uh, immediately. So uh, but it was it was, uh, you know, perhaps starting and walking off that ledge uh, it was, you know, um, probably more naive than, um, than, than, you know, understanding full well where we would get to. So I, I definitely created a, uh, a situation for myself and figured figured that I better figure out how to, how to fix it. So. Do you think if you would have knew what you're getting into, you would have still did it? It depends on the timeline, right? So okay. if you had asked me uh, a year after we did it, would, did you make a good decision? I mean, it was hard. It was really hard. And I don't know that I would have said yes. But as I sit here now, you know, almost 20 years later, it's an unequivocal yes. Right. So, yeah. So it's just a function of when, when you when you would have caught me in the evolution of uh, of, of my experience. <laughs> what the, so it was you and one other partner, correct? Mm -hmm. That company. OK. Uh, how did that partnership work? I mean, that's something that I'm always intrigued by when people start a business together uh, and there's either kind of like it worked out really well or we stepped on each other's toes and I had to reassess things as they went on. It was probably more of the latter. Um, and I don't, I don't hold any ill will uh, as it was all sort of said and done. This is a person uh, that I worked with for, you know, we had worked together side by side within the corporate structure for a number of years. And, uh, and so I thought we knew each other very, very well. And um, as time went on and we started doing other kinds of things, I really realized that we had an inherent disconnect in terms of the relative amount of risk that we were willing to take. And that that was kind of the and it wasn't apparent. To, it wasn't apparent to me. And I don't think it was apparent to him either that we had that disconnect. Um, and because within the corporate environment, you have those guardrails. Right. So we could never put on large positions that um that no one knew about because you know we have a, a risk reporting team and they keep track of all of our transactions so there's it's, it's much more difficult to get outside the guardrails and and have a you know take on risk and do different kinds of things without talking to your partners uh, that's almost impossible to occur in in a properly organized and running corporate environment but in our case um you know, we, we had some significant differences of, of how we were going to push that ball forward. So, um, so yeah, it was, it was definitely an interesting and interesting. I learned a lot from it. Do you, is there anything looking back or maybe even talking to someone else that's looking to, to start their own company, but with a partner, 
anything, any kind of advice, any kind of things to really think about, things to do, activities, anything like that? Yeah, I mean, I think that, uh, you know, I, I've done I've done this and in, in, I have another partner in Energy Ogre with what we've done. And, and this individual is kind of the diametric opposite. So, you know, there's there's definitely uh, pluses and minuses associated with all that. The, the very positive news about uh, running that first business with with my partner is that he and I had very, very similar backgrounds and very, very similar capability uh, sets. And so what that really allowed us to do was to to make as we're trying to get up and running as uh, one plus one was a little bit more than two. Uh, and so we, we were really able to kind of divide and conquer things. And so it didn't it, it really allowed us to 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 expand and cover a lot of ground very, very, very rapidly without being bogged down in too much minutia of structure, et cetera, et cetera, because I, I had a pretty good idea of of the decisions that he was going to make and he had a very good idea of what the decisions that I was going to make. And so it, it, it kind of was what it was. Um, you know, over time, what happens is if you start out that way, at least in my case, what, what I found was, you know, if someone's used to making decisions without running them by their partner, or if that's kind of a necessity of the way you get up and running, it's kind of hard when you don't have to do that any longer to, to, to put some structure in place. You know, the, the way I looked at it was when we were starting a business at the very beginning, you kind of have to moderate your risk profile over time. Right. So when you're starting a business, the worst, you know, what's the worst that can happen when you're starting is you blow up and you start over again. You know, it's time goes on and you built something that has ongoing value and you have employees and things of that nature. You have to kind of change your risk profile because. You know, the, the, the reward and risk that has to change. You, you have to be responsible for the constituencies that you represent and you have to be responsible to the employees that are dependent upon you from, you know, their livelihoods and maybe their, 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 their family's livelihoods as well. So to me, I, I saw that as you know, we started out on the same place. And I think that that, that uh, idea of, hey, let's just go, let's go try to knock every door down, say yes to everything we can, see if we can get some traction on something and, and go from there to eventually once you have, you know, a, 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 something that you've, you've built that has going concern value associated with it, you have to start to think about protecting some of that. And to me, it seems like you have to moderate your risk behavior a little bit. And so that's something I wish that we had really spent a little bit more time talking about you know, at the onset and, and really coming up with a game plan. So do you think it's better to have someone that's similar to, to yourself, like a go-getter kind of thing? Or do you think it's better to have a yin to your yang in looking for a partner? Well, I mean, I have a yang who's my partner here today at Energy Ogre. And, you know, uh, a gentleman that says, you know, honest and as salt of the earth as you're ever going to find and everyone kind of loves him but he's not an energy person he actually came out of pro baseball mm. uh he was assistant gm for a major league baseball team so very good at understanding teams and people and interactions but doesn't have an energy background um now i've kind of given him a bastardized version of uh of of, of knowledge base and energy since we've been doing this since 2013 um but 
you know, it's just not the same as if you didn't grow up in it and you don't really live it and breathe it on a day to day basis. It's just hard to get to the same place. So I we, we have different strengths and they don't really overlap. And uh, and so that that really means that we get one plus one equals two in slightly different ways um, uh, or two plus in slightly different ways. It's it's the it's this the the spaces here when it comes down to, uh, you know, quintessential and traditional CEO types of, of, of responsibilities of being a boat captain, making sure that all of the, the staff's oars are in the water, moving at the same time, setting a strategic direction, understanding where we want to be in three to five years time. Those are things that are going to fall on me specifically because I have the industry background where, you know, as it comes to dealing with other types of issues, um, you know, making sure that we're doing the right thing for our employees and the other constituents we deal with and developing the broader relationships uh, inter interpersonal with the communities that we serve. That's that's right up this person's alley. So I think you can make it all work. I don't know that one is better than the other. Um, I have a little bit of scar tissue on doing it one way. <laughs> uh, so I've yet to develop any, uh, any on the other. But uh, what, what I will say is that, you know, having someone else that's got a similar skill set as to what you have just really allows you to really hit the ground running. It allows you to cover a lot more ground. And that's probably a pretty important thing to do unless you have just a, an amazingly better mousetrap than the next individual. Um, a, a lot of, you know, the way I think about this is, um, you know, you can be the smartest person in the room uh, you can have the best idea possible, um, but it doesn't mean you're going to be successful. You know, there's still these externalities. There's these third parties or things that are outside your control um, that are going to that are going to ultimately determine your overall level of success or failure. Now, you can you can plan for um, buying yourself enough time. Right. And having enough enough bites at the apple of having a third party good bounce that works in your favor to give you the traction that you need. Um, but you're still always going to be dependent upon some of that stuff. And so having, you know, multiple people, whether it's you and a partner or you and maybe some folks that are working for you that that are you know pretty close from a skill set perspective, what you have, having the ability to cover a lot of ground early on. And, and really shaking a lot of trees and having a lot of want to, I think is a is a pretty important formula to at least getting the initial stages of, of some of these businesses off the ground. If we were talking, let's say five years from now, where do you see yourself and where do you see your company going? Well, I think, you know, uh, for myself, I'm not sure. I, I, I love doing what I'm doing. Um, I, I love developing the employees that we've got. Uh, I, this is a, an awesome job um, with what Energy Ogre does. Um, I, I used to talk to my wife about this a lot. You know, when I was trading, just straight trading, um, and I'm not sure if guys on Wall Street, you know, I think that us energy traders were maybe, you know, I think the guys on, on Wall Street would think of us as being, you know, like, uh, you know, the the uh, rudimentary version of, of what those guys did. But, uh, you know, I would laugh with my wife. We'd come home and I'd say, Hey, you know, we made, you know, 15 million bucks today or this month, or, you know, we did this, we made all this money for the company, but I always kind of had this a little bit of a, 
but what good did we do in the universe? Like, it's awesome that we did that for shareholders and, you know, we're definitely making money for the company and it, you know, helps everyone. That's, that's kind of what we're all about. But there, there was a little bit of a void there because it's very difficult to, for me, at least at that time is to really translate, what am I doing? That's having a positive impact. What's the legacy? It's okay, great. You made $300 million for your company or you made, you know, whatever over whatever period of time, but uh, you know, what, what difference when it's all said and done, what difference does that make? And mm -hmm. so for us, and the nice part about doing this as energy ogre is it's entirely customer focused. And I, I love that about what we're doing. It sounds maybe kind of silly, but you know, there's, you know, if we save customers two, three, four thousand $4,000 a year, um, which is very commonplace early on. And, you know, still to this day, there's hundreds, if not thousands of dollars of annual savings that we can help people. It really allows them to do some pretty important things. And especially like we have a non-trivial number of our customers that are elderly and more fixed income. Mm -hmm. And so their ability to, um, you know, be able to pull those dollars out of energy costs and put them into some of the other things that they want. It's just, it's super rewarding, uh, uh, it's it's a neat thing and it's a lot of fun. There's a tremendous amount of personal satisfaction and sleep well at night perspective that, that, you know, I get in terms of doing what we're doing here as energy over being very customer focused. We do it in fact, as a fiduciary. Um, so it, we try to take that as seriously as we can. Do you have plans of expanding outside of uh, Texas? We do. So, you know, it's interesting. There, there's some, you know, although we don't get the largest fraction of the revenue and margin, so this is not a huge margin business for us. But what it does is being a true third party, uh, an objective third party in these transactions gives us a really unique situation where we can provide objective advice and maybe pr objectively execute goals on behalf of customers. And it doesn't have to be exclusively around their electricity plans in these competitive markets. There's no doubt that we're in the midst of, a, of another revolution. That's one of the things I love about electricity is that it never gets to its end point. Like, there's more opportunity and there's more change that's occurring today than there was, you could argue, uh, back in 1995 and 1994. So with, with the emergence of all these new green technologies, with folks looking at solar for their homes, with people looking at demand response and demand management, um, there's, there's still a tremendous knowledge gap there on the part of the end user. Understandable. It's not, you know, it's not because people aren't capable of learning this stuff. Is one, it's hard to understand where, where you can actually access information that's not biased. Two is it's very complicated and it changes frequently. So it's a, it's a commitment to stay on top of uh, what's changing and what's the state of the art. Um, and so there's opportunities for us to expand what we're doing to provide some of the same kinds of expertise in, in overall energy consumption and how, how those uh, you know, homes are running and balancing and being efficient with all these new emergent technologies. And so that's something that we're going to interface to our existing uh, customer base here in Texas in the competitive markets, 
And I absolutely expect that to be something that we take out uh, you know, to other customers and other areas that may not actually have retail competition, but the, the value is still the same. Hmm. Do you think the way people view electricity changes from uh, community community? Like, I mean, for example, you grew up partially in, in Texas and then partially up in Ontario. Was there a difference of how the perception of electricity was perceived in both those communities or do you remember? Yeah, no, I think it's changing. And I think the answer to that is yes. Um, I mean, I, I can see that even here within, you know, in the, in the state of Texas, you know, there's definitely some differences between people's uh, um, you know, predilections in, in the southern part of the state from the northern part of the state. Um, we can see this in some of the urban areas versus some of the more rural areas. Um, and, and you know, there are folks that, that try to make a margin and take advantage of doing that, that, that we we want to make sure that you know, we give good information to folks. A good example of that is, you know, people installing solar rooftop solar here. Um, and so, you know, if I were counseling someone that might be in California and, you know, in California, if you're behind Southern California Edison or PG&E uh, or San Diego Gas and Electric, you know, the, the electricity rates that you're paying, they're very high in comparison to Texas rates, maybe three times, two to three times more. And so it's a no brainer to, to put more resiliency outside the fact that now uh, uh, by statute and some of the rulemaking that's in place in California has has mandatory solar installations. Uh, but here it's not quite that way. And so uh, it's definitely positive from a resiliency perspective and from an independence perspective to a certain extent. But oftentimes the folks that are selling those things may be overblowing their benefits uh, or or kind of selling, selling folks something that's not quite uh, what's in their best interest. So, so we see that a lot. Uh, and, you know, there's a huge difference in, you know, people and their focus on, you know, environmental consciousness. And there are definitely companies that are out there that try to take advantage of that to make a margin off of them. So we, we see that, we see that. Um, and I think that there's definitely people in different parts of the country that have, um, you know, massive, differences in their opinions about some of these things and their impressions about some of these things um, because they might have read, you know, uh, an opinion piece in, in, you know, you know, Washington Post or in, you know, some some other publication that gives them an impression about something that's maybe uh, scratches the surface of what the issues are, but is not really comprehensive and really getting to the heart of the matter because you know a lot of folks don't really have the subject matter expertise to to really get into the weeds on some of these things well i appreciate you uh justin for for being here if someone's listening right now and is is looking to see I mean, they're in the houston area and they have questions about what they're paying what's the best platform for them to find more information about you guys yeah we're um the easiest way to catch up with us is on our website it's energyogre.com we uh, try to make as many resources available to folks, free resources. If you're here and you don't know if you're uh, or, you know, a spot check, are you competitive? Are you not competitive? Are you paying too much? Are you doing great? We have free tools that are available on the website that give you a chance to spot check what you're paying versus what you should be paying to make sure that you're in the competitive realm. Uh, we, we try to run things on our blog as much as possible to give folks, you know, a little bit more in-depth information on certain things. And uh, 
and you know, I, I love being able to sit down and speak with folks like yourself and, you know, education uh, it, and really trying to um, disseminate information is, is one of the big things that, that we uh, really try to pride ourselves on here. So um, that, you know, there's a number of other resources that we try to make available to folks to learn a little bit more about their situation as, as, they're, as they're navigating for themselves. I mean, I think there's so much information out there and anyone listening right now, I mean, there's, there's a lot of stuff in this interview that I just, I didn't know and picking it up through this conversation is something I think valuable for me. And I know people out there, if there's, if you feel like you're getting taken advantage of on your electricity, on your, your mortgage, there's so many different platforms out there and people like Justin that can, can help you out, uh, that if you're not taking advantage of it and doing all the research on your own, you're probably leaving a lot of time on the table to allow you to start your own business, allow you to have that great idea or stay or uh, hang out with your family. So I appreciate yeah. you being here. Yeah. Anytime. I really enjoyed it. Well, have a great one, guys. Please subscribe, please share, and uh, go to the website. Bye, guys. Thank you for listening to The Road to Growth, Success of an Entrepreneur. Please like, subscribe, and stay connected. Visit www.TheEnriquezGroup.com. Yeah, I created a website. Hope to see you again next week. The Enriquez Group, signing off.